Welcome back, it's time for customers who click. Landing pages are such a missed opportunity in e-commerce. Brands spend all their time coming up with new audiences, testing new ad messaging and creative, but then they dump all their traffic on the same generic pages. You can only get so far improving the advert itself if the messaging the customer sees doesn't resonate with them. This is where Unstack comes in, and today I'm joined by Grant Decken to discuss landing pages in e-commerce and how brands can create much more personalised experiences automatically without having to build hundreds of different pages from scratch for every possible combination of audience and advert. Let's get Grant on now to hear how it all works. Hi, Grant. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just introducing yourself? Give us a, a bit of your background and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, it's great to be here. So I'm Grant Deacon. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Unstack. We help merchants really build bespoke, personalized landing pages to get more ROI out of you know all the experiences that they're uh, delivering to customers. We started the company a couple of years ago. I've been before that in the influencer space, built a platform to connect influencers with brands to create great sponsored content, great experiences for fans. One of the things we noticed there and across whether it was startups or really big brands was also that most of the time the brand struggled with doing kind of the experience, the creating a landing page for the influencers or where to direct people. So there was always like these gaps that teams had. Um, And in particular, when it came to e-commerce, we felt like there were some options out there maybe for creating content, but when it comes to creating really personalized e-commerce enabled experiences for your customers, there was, there's a big gap there. And so we have built a product uh, that just went live in, in January, we already have over 200 merchants using the platform today. And really our focus is trying to help those merchants move faster to really build great experiences for their customers. Again, just drive better results from their marketing campaigns. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, it's great that you saw the problem in that role of the influencers and thought, well, here's something we could target. Let's let's go build something to to try and fix that. Um, so where do you think the big opportunities are for growth for uh, particularly for D2C uh, or e-commerce brands? Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is probably a lot of what others are seeing too, which is the opportunity right now to, I think, be more agile as an e-commerce brand and D2C, more experimentation. You see this being talked about a lot right now. How do you test more offers, test more creative, test experiences? How do you collect data, put it to work in better ways? There's better tooling out there, whether it's Klaviyo or other platforms that can help you actually collect and deploy the data to give better experiences to customers. So I think the real big opportunity that we see for D2C brands right now is how do you put all that into action to get better results for the marketing that you're already doing. Obviously, a lot of changes going on in the space over the last few years with privacy, changes to Facebook, changes to the iOS updates that you're seeing come out in, in the Google Play Store as well. So really, I think the there are obviously challenges there, but if you want to look at it as sort of glass half full, I think it's forcing folks in the space to get more creative, to think about how do they deliver better, more exciting, more relevant experiences to customers. So ultimately, that's going to get um, better relationships, more loyalty, maybe higher LTV, better outcomes. So kind of see the the problems and the challenges kind of are, I think, pretty closely connected there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the relevant experiences. That's kind of the key thing, isn't it? You, you want to be able to, especially at scale, give people more experiences that are more relevant to them based on the search term that they've clicked through uh, the PPC ad they've clicked on, or potentially the Facebook ads, or even, I guess, an email campaign or something. How do you make sure that they're getting uh, an experience that's at least partly tailored to them and not just the exact same e-commerce experience that everyone's getting on that website? 
Exactly. So, so today, obviously, most people are just driving their you know prospective customers right into a product page, maybe a homepage or collection page, something kind of standard fare. And you're exactly right. Like, there's a missed opportunity to tailor what happens after they click on the ad and to really deliver a more connected experience. And and I was just um, listening to a podcast this morning where they were talking so much about testing creative, testing copy, all on sort of the ad campaign side. And that's super important. Absolutely, everybody should be doing that. But I think it's up until recently been more of an afterthought of like, okay, well, like what happens when the user gets to my page, to my site, to that experience, right? Like how do we do more with that? And I think that's something that you mentioned, for example, the ad campaigns. If we know who the persona is, you know, if you're passing UTM parameters, whether it's the ad creative, the persona, the the, the location, right? These different sort of Piece, small pieces of metadata can make a big difference in terms of what you show that user when they get to the page. And, and the data proves, right, that like the more tailored it is, the more likely you're going to get that SMS consent to follow up with them, get the email, and, and likely also get first-time purchase as well. Yeah, we, we know that people are, are more willing to hand over data if they think that data is going to result in a better experience for them, right? So if you're already doing that by acknowledging just where they've come from, that that's already a, a little plus, you know, a little tick and checkbox for them to say, okay, this company's tailoring the experience for me. I'm then happy to give a little bit more information to see what they come up with. I was actually reminded of, I think it was Intercom. I, th- I don't know if they still do it. In this case, that it was a few years ago at least. They were tailoring their landing pages from partner for partner acquisition. I think it was. So when you landed on the landing page, in fact, it was one landing page that so was dynamic. I think. And it would change, it would it would reference the company or the partner that sent you in the headline of the landing page. And that would just get tailored based on the UTM parameters. So that's pretty much the only thing they were changing, I think. It was literally just the name of that partner. Yeah. But they saw a decent improvement in conversion because it was just a tailored experience. And it was saying, oh, cool, you've come from these guys. Welcome. Like, check it out. Yeah, and I think for e-commerce merchants right now, particularly in Shopify, that experience is, has been fairly hard to deliver. There's page builders and things like that out there, but when you really want to take it to that next level of personalizing it to who's consuming the content, that's been a pretty big gap. And that's one of the things that our approach to that has been something that we call like conditional content display, which is basically in kind of a no-code editing experience, you can set up these rules and say things like, hey, has this user been here before? Have they purchased from, from us before? Is there LTV over a certain amount? Did they come from a certain campaign? Are they in a certain geo? And, and exactly kind of how you were explaining that landing page example a minute ago. But then the experience you get, even the offer you get, right? Like might be different than what I would get. So for you, maybe if you were a first time visitor, you might might get something for like, hey, here's a you know a coupon. We can auto apply for a free shipping on your first order. Maybe for a VIP, it's something like just the language is different. Hey, like we really value you. So like, you know, we're going to go ahead and take care of shipping for you today or like take an extra 10% off because we really value you as an existing customer. And those little things add up, right? It's just all the, they compound to like really get you that like sort of lift in the performance. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember doing something similar with email marketing back when I was in a in a gambling company. Because because you mentioned VIPs, right? We used to do different value yeah. promotions based on who they were, right? Especially in gambling, where promotions can be a decent amount of money. That's I can't remember exactly how it works, but the company to pay tax on, right? Any bonuses they give out. So you've got to be careful. You want to make sure you're giving big bonuses to people who are then going to you know return that money 
basically. And so, yeah, we'd be looking at things like, well, what is their predicted lifetime value, which was something that was calculated in the first seven days. And then we'd be able to say, okay, we think this person's going to be a VIP. So we're happy to do bigger bonuses. This person has got an account with one of our other websites, which has lapse prevention campaigns, which means that person's a lower. And that's the only reason this person keeps playing. So they're a lower value player. So make sure we only give them a maximum of this in a bonus. But oh, that's interesting. Doing, you know, doing it on site, we didn't have the ability to do that on site in, in a, a very dynamic way. It was all kind of, yeah, data was plugged in somewhere <laughs> on a, uh, not a manual basis, but like the campaign was pushed through on a manual basis and then people saw it. But one thing I wanted to ask about was obviously landing pages are, I think, generally seen as a bit of a B2B thing, right? They're used for uh, lead magnets, which is just, just generally for acquisition, really, for B2B businesses. And I suppose that tends to be because they've got one service they offer, or, or they might have a few different, three or four different services. They can take those landing pages to maybe three or four different audiences each. Easy to manage. Let's go. But if you're a, a, an e-commerce website, potentially with hundreds of products across different categories, where do landing pages fit into that? What, how can brands be using them? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. And coming from the B2B world, I lived in landing pages for, for many years, definitely around like lead generation in particular, right? And I think you see that reflected in the offerings that exist today. Most of them are true to that, um, but they kind of stop at the commerce aspect of things, which is super, super important for D2C, right? How do you, you know, how do you bring the ability to purchase and check out in that experience without clicking out to some other new experience or new product page, right? And so that's one of the things that I think we've felt like was important to solve. But in terms of the use cases, I mean, yeah, I think one, one of the things I remembered in one of our first conversations was around picking a starting point. And most of the time you probably have like best-selling products, right? If you have a hundred different SKUs. There's probably a superset, right? I learned this from you, right? There's probably a superset, right, of, of of products that are kind of your money makers, right? And so you can do your start there and doing your optimization there. We really think about landing pages as like just experiences, and there's sort of two categories that fall in. So you can really create better experiences for targeted campaigns you're already doing, and those can be, yeah. You know, for example, influencer is a great example where you're just creating a dedicated sales page for each influencer that you work with. Um, when it comes to larger scale SKU catalogs, there are, I think, going back to the data, like there are some really interesting things you can do. We do something called data-driven content, for example, where you could take one global landing page template and you could actually dynamically create hundreds or thousands of landing pages based on a database right uh, inside of unstack so we can look at your shopify catalog we can spin up those pages and you can change them at large or an a b tests at large so if you're doing like a large excuse me like a large scale adwords campaign where you want to have a dedicated lander for every single different product and you're testing that at scale that's an option for you you can also, I think with smaller SKU sets, do a dynamic replacement. We've talked about conditional content before. So you know, being able to say, hey, I want to show this product based on you know this constraint or this parameter or this campaign ID, not to get too technical, but for those who are out doing kind of like more advanced paid acquisition, I think those are the types of tools that can help you do it more at scale. And then we have lots of merchants too that I would say are maybe in a sub 50 sort of product catalog. And a lot of those folks are thinking about, okay, 
there's 10 playbooks that are really important, right? I need solid card abandonment flow, maybe card abandonment landing page that I want to test, back in stock alerts, driving into like a more tailored experience, persona-based page, influencer pages, and even like more bespoke experiences for existing customers. So we talk a lot about like paid acquisition for new customers, but I think a lot of people know that, you know, once you get a customer, it's all about getting more sort of LTV out of them over the long term. So delivering better experiences for like, hey, it's your birthday. Like we have a, a really cool personalized experience in three offers for you. Hey, thanks for subscribing, right? Like here is a landing page that has like our new subscriber offers on it. So it's really just about, I think, putting the marketing team at DVC brands more in the driver's seat to turn on these playbooks, test different creative, test different copy and create more basically just personal experiences for users. At a basic level, you can use some of the categories you've probably got on your existing website, right? So most brands have a bestseller page or even a sale, right? The products that are on sale. So can you essentially just turn that into a, a landing page, which is just a bit, does a better job at selling those products than a, a kind of product listing page would do? Yeah, the, the product listing pages too, most people are probably familiar, you know, they're pretty rigid in their structure. And I think as a marketer, you probably don't want to spend a lot of your time figuring out how to tweak your theme, getting into the code, right? Rebuilding things. And so having, I think, uh, an option to really have full control over content to be able to build and test different experiences is really important. So that goes back to like the beginning of this conversation, right? Which is like where the opportunity is. Well, if you want to test a lot of things and you want to build your content, you, you need to have the flexibility to do that very quickly. There is a speed element to this and a learning element. And so you don't necessarily want to spend your time trying to tweak your product template page. You want to spend your time building, having more like control over these quick experiences that you can spin up. Yeah. And uh, you, yeah, you mentioned obviously picking the best, just generally best products, right? But just again, going back to this category idea, if you are, let's say a retailer, for example, that might have... Uh, hundreds of products just in one category, there are probably 10 to 20 that drive the majority of the income from that category. So you could spin up a landing page for that category, just put those on there, drive some drive some paid traffic to it. Anyone who's bought in that category before, you can send them email marketing and say, check out our best sellers within this category that you've already bought from. You mentioned abandoned cart and back in stock. I think those are two really good opportunities, particularly because... So many brands, firstly, just send a reminder and just say, oh, by the way, you left this product here and that's it. And then eventually follow it. Well, hopefully eventually a couple of emails down the line, follow it up with a discount and say, would 10% off change your mind? Do you want to make this mm, purchase? Right. But actually so often price isn't the issue, right? Pe people are not necessarily abandoning the website because they thought, oh, £100 or $100 is too much. And so you're saying, oh, well, what if we take 10 off? I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Like some people, some people might, some people won't. Generally, the issue comes down to they're not fully convinced that that product is right for them or they're not fully convinced about buying that product from you. So the landing pages would give you the great, a great opportunity to get some of that content on there, right? And it might be, quite a stripped down version of the product page, some images, description, the benefits of that product. And then you support it with, oh, by the way, you'll get free delivery on this order. Uh, you get free returns on, on any products. We're here 24 seven with live chat if you need to contact us. Getting those kind of value propositions in place to say, 
you know, there's not not really risk in buying this product because um, we've got this thing sorted, and you can do that for both. Yeah, abandoned car I, I mean, and back in stock. Absolutely, another one that comes to mind just in those use cases is social proof, and just bringing some user generated content onto that page and say, "Hey, here's how." You know, other here's what other people's experiences were about this product. And by the way, we have a 30 day back guarantee, like like you mentioned. So yeah, I think there's a lot you can. And and again, it's like you can test it. You can test different types of user generated content. I think that's harder to do in a storefront setting where you don't want to necessarily change content of 3,000 products, right? You want to be able yeah. to just kind of test one specific experience. And by the way, that the learnings you gain over time, you can then go back and optimize your storefront at, at large, right, with those learnings. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure yeah, if you've seen good conversion rates from these landing pages, you could be thinking, well, why don't we go test this landing page format on our product page? That, that exactly. product page will then have the the navigation above it, the footer below, and so you know, people can still kind of drift around your store a bit more. But it gives you that ability to test, create better experiences, and then go build it out more permanently on the site. And, and there are so many use cases that I think demand flexibility. We were just talking to a brand the other day and the founder was saying that they wanted to do more with like pre-launch sort of campaigns you know, where they were building demand for upcoming products and having more control over that so that by the time the product went live, they already had kind of a bought-in audience for that specific product to sell it, but they didn't necessarily want to have it all over their existing store, right? Because there's a testing element, maybe they're trying different price points, things like that. So it really is like, a, I think in part also just a flexibility thing to really say, hey, whether the back in stock lander or a product launch or a giveaway that you're doing, there are all these ways that we're trying to figure out how to engage with our customers and having kind of, one of the things we do that we think is interesting is like, we, we don't really think about what we have in terms of templates. We really think about it in terms of use cases. So it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's like, okay, well, we've already built experience and you just fill in the blanks and deploy it and then see the results. So I think that's something that, marketers can be thinking about whether it's us or other things is like, how do I get access to these use cases and just turn them on, test them and sort of see the results. Yeah. And I think, I think it was when we spoke before, you mentioned you can plug in Clavio data. Didn't That's you? right. Did you? Yeah. Excellent. So one thing I'm really keen on, I'm pushing a lot and it's becoming a, a bigger thing probably over the last year or so anyway, is zero party data. Right. So if you're collecting more information on people when they sign up, uh, for an email, for example, if you give them 10% off or a £10, uh, £10 voucher or something, if you're asking them not only what is their name, what is their email address, uh, you might not even ask them their name, but also what category are they interested in? It could be, are they buying it for themselves or as a gift? You can be asking these three or four different questions and then feeding that into these landing pages as well. And saying, well, that's right. we know all these people are interested in, that they're only buying because they're gifting. So it might be a jewellery brand or something. So make sure when they hit that landing page, it's really focused around gifting messaging. Yeah, that's a great example. We've seen other another brand do something with in the pet space. And so they know the owner's dog's breed and the dog's birthday, right? As well. So we talk about birthday experience. You think about maybe my birthday or your, but also for like pets, for example, and, and being able to tailor that landing experience, landing page experience around the breed or a certain language photography or a language around the breed and things like that are going to just really connect much at a much more emotional level than just like a standard landing page or standard page experience would be. And my whole kind of point of view when it comes to personalization is 
Email, I think, has largely proven that taking data and bringing it into the messaging that we're sending to users like, is quite effective, whether that's Clavio or PostScript or others, you know, Privy, there, there are a number out there, both in terms of the email and also SMS we're seeing work very well. But we also want to, it's like, we don't want to stop there, just like you don't want to stop with the ad creative. You want to bring that same personalization and data into the actual online shopping experience. And that's where there's a big gap right now. And so fine. Finding easy ways to deploy that, like you're saying, it connects all the dots from start to finish. And it does start with some of that first party data. So we see the same thing, collecting that information thoughtfully, and then thinking about how to use it thoughtfully, those two are both really important, but having the tools, I think, to tell that story from start all the way through purchase and even post-purchase is, is really key. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's so many opportunities to use uh, like product wizards and things like that capture that data, feed it into Clavio, and then you can use it to personalize the experience going forwards. Like, like you say, you know, there's so much work done on the advertising side to test different copy. We know there's different audiences, right? You're always trying to target different audiences with different messaging. But yeah, then it all just leads to the same website. And then it becomes a bit, well, the message I'm now seeing is not the message you showed me in the advert because... That was very specific. Going back to dogs, for example, that was very specific. You were talking about golden retrievers, which is, is the dog I have. But then I land on the website and I'm seeing beagles or something. Yeah. And I might be or thinking, cats. well... And you're like, I'm a dog person. I mean, cat, cats, yeah, cats would be even worse. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm, if I'm seeing a, a, a breed that is not my dog and I get the feeling, the, if I get the feeling that the advice that I'm going to receive is not then related to my dog... I have no interest. And by the way, like so, some, sometimes people ask, well, like what's really like the relative difference and every campaign, every test is going to be different, but the results can be like astounding. Like we just had somebody that we're working with pretty closely. And, and I woke up one morning on Twitter and they said, oh, wow, I think the, the new landing pages are working. Their ROAS had gone up uh, 250% on their first experience, just going from a product page to a targeted landing page that they built on our platform. And we followed up with them and asked, so well, how's that impacting CAC? And they said, oh, our CAC, our, our cost to get a new customer is down two thirds. So just by making these changes and, and you know, they're, now they're running six different tests to really kind of double down and learn and doing stuff with some influencer content and things like that. But imagine if you get that learning today and you carry it forward in the next two years, what the impact of that can be on your business. So in terms of where the opportunities are, you know, in terms of experimenting and stuff, really, I think it's probably the most important thing GDC marketers can be doing right now. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, you know, because you can target off the advertising, you don't even need the zero party data. Right. That's, that's yeah. If you don't have it, and you have, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you're start, I mean, you should start immediately. Right. I think you would agree. Yeah. Like, start putting that in those the systems in place. But if you don't have it, it, exactly. And even if you have a smaller customer set, being able to try to build, you know, some lookalike and you know, test different things there. There's still, I think, some options you know, to get that going. So that's a great point. Yeah. So what are some of the mistakes you see people make with landing pages? Where where can where can brands go wrong? Yeah, I think sometimes we see people just try to recreate what they already have just to have a little bit more flexibility around it. I think there's an opportunity to be more creative with these experiences because whether it's our platform or, or, or any really any platform, right? You, you do have that higher degree of control to test things. So I would say the first mistake is people being too conventional with their thinking. I think you've got to really, I mean, just think about like that dog example, right? Like get outside of the box and really put 
think about like your customer and what would they want to experience think about it from like how do i how am i building relationships like the, my best shot at building a one to one relationship at scale i think is something that maybe people don't think about as much right they're really trying to think about the dollars and the cents and and that kind of thing i think that's one area i think also people don't do enough ab testing and really kind of look at the messaging and the experience itself that they're putting in front of users so it's great if you're creating a landing page or a couple different landing pages but you should kind of have this sort of like always on mentality like what's my next test and i think take also move fast implement those tests but but take slow down a little bit to document the thinking that like, well, why did we test this what were the results and kind of build that experimentation muscle in your business i think that's a part of the thinking that has to go into these kinds of tools and systems and platforms to i think really get the most out of it. So those are like kind of a couple high level things that we've seen in terms of like when you're starting out just stuff to think about when you're getting into it. I think also a lot of people think about it only in the context of oh I'm running paid ads and I'm going to try landing pages. It's what probably they're most familiar with either like paid social or AdWords or just like any SEM campaigns, but there's a ton of different use cases that you want to build experiences for. And we talked about some of them earlier, right? Like around the back in stock and abandonment, holiday, birthday stuff, loyalty, sweepstakes. So really kind of expand your thinking to be like to all the different possibilities of the types of experiences that you can build for your customers. Do you think that kind of becomes a bit of an issue where you know, you're being approached by basically the acquisition team for a company? And so the retention team who are responsible for things like back in stock or, or cut abandonment just maybe aren't even aware that something like Unstack is in, in use. Yeah, well, for us, our company in particular, like I, we are thinking a lot about just education around these experiences. So we're going to be launching like a playbooks sort of section on our website that documents all of these. And people can obviously use us to turn them on. Or if there's multiple tools, we kind of have like a recipe of how you can implement these things for your business just as a way to educate and create some upfront value. But yeah, I mean, there are different, there's different stakeholders on, across the board. And it also depends on the size of the business. You might have developers that want to come in and have you know control over building certain things. And you might have the marketing team or marketing ops, and you might have like growth team involved. So it, what we see for where we're at today is most of the time, our merchants are going to be somewhere between half a million and 5 million in, in sales right today. And so at that stage, it's typically a smaller team. There's usually like one or two people that are very engaged in doing this. And then if there's a, and then there will oftentimes like maybe an agency that also comes in to help scale the strategy or think about it in that context. So we're learning as well as we kind of inter interface with like larger brands that are kind of scaling up and have multiple teams and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, I just wanted to touch on something you said earlier about, I guess, like stepping back, slowing down a little bit, making sure you document and, and process everything. Because I, I guess it can be a bit like a bit like setting up marketing automation. You, you, It's very easy to get kind of get stuck in, build up all the different sequences and flows and keep developing them. And then six to 12 months later, it all actually becomes a bit of a mess because you've suddenly tested a new idea in one of the flows and, and tried to shift something out and then introduced I don't know, SMS. And actually, because no one's really documented it, you suddenly find that you've got various emails triggering almost at the same time or for very similar um, reasons or messages that have been taken from the welcome flow and put into post-purchase flow. But because no one dealt with the, the timing and, and all that, they it's basically the same message that they're getting twice even though there's two different triggers. So 
I think when it comes to like the the dynamic content that can be displayed, but then also using those individual product pages, and then you might have the cart abandonment. Really important to know which ones are which, how they're set up, what they're used for, and and then also the learnings that can be taken from each of those and applied elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think every business. E-commerce or B two B, I think everybody kind of struggles with that, or as they're sort of implementing the next thing or the next tool or the next experiment. Even as we're building our own business, I think it's more trying to have the discipline. Like we we use Notion a lot for our business. We kind of have a we have a folder called the decision log where we kind of say, hey, like here's our hypothesis. It's like scientific method. Here's our hypothesis. Like we go we go through run the experiment, and then we're like, hey, were we right or wrong, or what were the what was the outcome, and sort of. Or the next steps from that. So at least you can go back, you know, and it's kind of fun because there's stuff now from probably about 12 months of these decisions. And you're like, oh, I forgot about that. I didn't even remember that we had done that thing. In terms of like us as a product, you gave me an idea too, which would be to add kind of like an annotation feature, I think on maybe our A-B tests, for example. But yeah, I think there's some process to it. And then I think it's also, we we have a lot of data in sort of the platform that we're showing folks, or there are other partners out there like Triple Whale and others who are doing a good job to roll up and show you how you're doing over time. But like the mind map of all those automations and stuff, like that's a tough, that's a tough problem. And we're, Unstack is like one piece in that puzzle, there's like five other, 10 other things as well that you have to look at. So that's a, I actually be curious to hear like how you advise like the clients on keeping an eye out for some of that and and not letting it like become a spaghetti monster. Yeah, I think it just comes down to like, obviously documentation and process, because if someone leaves the company, you need, someone else needs to step, make sure they know what they're doing with that or the new person, you know, the new replacement needs to be able to just kind of step into it very quickly, get an idea of what's going on. But I think it's important to audit frequently as well and review that documentation because stuff doesn't get updated all the time. There's always mm. people, I, I know that I wasn't very good at it when I was in-house. Um, so stuff always gets changed and and not documented. So I think even maybe every six months, just make sure you review everything that's live, what the triggers are for everything, what are the conditions and all that, and just make sure there's no, no clashes. And also look at wh- where those optimizations could be made. If you've, if you've built out a load of different landing pages, but then for the use case that you're using, you could use the conditional content. That might mean actually you only need one landing page built that can just be servicing all these different consolidate uh, channels or everything. The old approach to doing it would have been five different landing pages for five different audiences for, for Facebook or for PPC. But if you can say, well, actually, we know which advert they're coming from, so we've just got to change the headline, change the image, then that's one landing page that becomes a lot easier to manage. And that's also going to cut down that the, ne- the need for that documentation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great example of where the dynamic and conditional content kind of can save you a lot of time, but also save you some like headaches down the road. So it's kind of a two for one. We, we had another merchant who's in the nutrition space. So they had all these different kind of like medical benefits. And they, instead of doing like 15 different landing pages, one for each benefit to test it, they just did conditional content for each one. So they had one page that would dynamically change based on the the ad creative for each of those like health benefits, which is very interesting. Yeah. And if, if you're not, if you don't really care about the SEO on it, then it doesn't matter, does it? Um, right, so if using, right, right. If you're using it for paid acquisition, then you don't want the page indexed anyway. 
you don't want uh, exactly. um, organic traffic reaching it. What else was because oh, just on the audit side, I think it's obviously important to make sure that the wider company is aware of these sort of things. It could be could be customer service. That might be useful for them to know that there are these pages out there that will display different content, could be displaying different offers to different people. If, if an email campaign goes out and they're used to saying, well, we're just going to give 15% off to everyone. If that campaign now is now saying you get 5%, you get 10%, you get 15, you get 20, customer service needs to be aware of that so that they're not saying to everyone, oh, uh, yeah, it should have been a 20% off code or something like that. And also on the the conditional, again, on the conditional content, making sure that it doesn't get broken by changes elsewhere. So if you make changes yeah, to your, your product listings or something, I, I don't know the technical setup, so I don't know how this would impact. But yeah, if certain products are added or removed or if some details are changed or anything like that, obviously making sure that doesn't have, have an impact on your landing pages and making sure that the teams responsible for those changes are aware that these landing pages are in use as well. Yeah, those are great points. Yes, I think, again, it just comes down to that wider communication in the business and making sure that people who you may not think are involved in this and have an interest in it uh, still know about it because quite often there is something that changes. You know, it even could be a branding and design thing. If if the design team's been tasked with going ahead with a rebrand and that's not been widely communicated yet because it's early stages, they don't know about these landing pages. They can't design for them. Yeah, I mean, you got everybody rowing in the same direction, right? Yeah, exactly. You mentioned you didn't say thinking outside the box. You've been creative with your design. I literally saw on, on LinkedIn earlier, someone posted a screenshot of a, a mobile product page, which is quite a long product page, and it had... Basically, all the USPs and benefits at the top. So the customers to scroll all the way down through them before they get to the images, the price, and, and the buy now. And obviously, I've got no idea how that's performing for them. I can't say whether it's good or bad, but it's an interesting, different approach that they've taken. And, and being able to do that sort of thing and, and test that out, I think is really worthwhile, especially if it's just a test. Yeah, I mean, not every test is going to do well. And even, and sometimes they say in life, like you learn more from the things that don't go your way than the things that do, right? And so like, there may be some really interesting learnings, even if that doesn't perform well. Mobile is a really, also like a huge opportunity. Um, a lot of, I mean, I think particularly in Shopify, but I think in general, like people have struggled, you know, over the years with page performance, particularly on mobile, really hitting those you know, sub-second low times. And pushes a lot of like the headless conversation and getting better performance out of your content. You know, that's one of the things that like we spend a lot of time focusing on is not making marketers like recreate the experience for mobile. And so I think if you're wh whoever you're working with, if you're thinking about it in terms of like component driven design and like making sure those components are like battle hardened, your design elements, right. Are like battle hardened for mobile. You don't run the risk of saying, Oh, we, we spent all this time building this page up at like, oh man, nobody checked it for, for mobile or for tablets or for really small mobile devices. And no wonder it's performing really poorly. We, we just talked to somebody the, the other day and their number of challenge was their performance on mobile relative to their desktop sales conversion rates, right? And so they were asking, well, how do we do this? And well, probably the first thing we would want to do is start with some just mobile specific offers. Like you need landing pages to test there. You need to get the page speed up. So that's a, sort of another interesting angle of, 
not just the experience to the customer based on who they are, but also the experience of the customer on where they're consuming the offer or the content. If you think about paid social, for example, it's much more likely uh, that your content's going to be consumed on a mobile device, right? Most, I mean, most time I'm running paid ads, I'm not even showing them on desktop. So like, I'm just maybe only showing them on mobile or testing different sort of devices. And then I would think like on AdWords, for example, your offers, you may want to test more with just desktop that you're showing to devices. So it's another layer of consideration as you're running these tests is not only what is the experience I'm giving to the user, but where are they going to consume it and how good is the experience where they're consuming it, right? Yeah. Well, one thing I've been thinking about a bit recently is the effect that the in-app browser has on conversion and on on behavior. And it's difficult to tell because the vast majority of that traffic is paid uh, social, which generally converts worse anyway. But yeah, what what I'm kind of trying to, I'd like to test on is how do we give someone a very different experience if they're on Safari app? Or what's the Google one called? Is it Google Mobile View? Which is when you click on a, a link in Facebook and it opens up the, right. the browser within this Facebook. Brings it up, yeah. So you, you lose a little bit of, of space uh, kind of top and bottom of the screen. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure if the conversion is just bad because it's Facebook traffic and, and it just converts worse or whether the browser is having an impact. So I've been thinking about even just a pop-up or something saying this website works better in, in the native browser. Can you open that? Or, or maybe just going more aggressive with data capture or something for those people. But yeah. It's- yeah. I mean, it's sort of one of the I think challenges of like interruptive advertising, right? Which is that that person wasn't looking to buy the $120 pair of shoes right now, but they really like them. You got to have to probably get that message in front of them a few times, get their phone number, email, like put them an offer in front of them. And try to turn them into a lifelong customer. And uh, yeah, one of the things we're, we don't have this currently, but something that we're working on is in terms of conditional content display by device type. So not just by data, but also by like device type is something that I think could be beneficial to merchants. So it's something that we'll be uh, working on for like Q2. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that'd be worthwhile. Would that include things like whether do you display or not display some content? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of that with, with some brands, things like descriptions of products, uh, particularly for retailers. You know, do people really read that description if it's a product that they're aware of? So it can maybe it can be there on desktop because it doesn't really impact the page much, but on mobile, it's shifting everything down. So should it be moved or removed? Yeah, the, the real estate is precious on the mobile screen. So you yeah. really just have to be super intentional there. Yeah. Have you got uh, maybe just one example of something someone's done, which is just incredible with the landing pages? Like your favorite I think example the, the, you've seen? The one that we've seen most recently was for a brand called Crossnet. Oh, yeah. So they are kind of a like Foursquare meets volleyball product. It's like a really fun game. I grew up playing Foursquare and as a kid and stuff. And I think that they kind of had this idea and like brought those, those two things together. And they've been doing a lot. They've have a really cool story. You should check them out. It sounds like you might know know them. And they've done your fast growing uh, business. I think they'd spent a lot of time driving a lot of their campaigns into their product pages and things like that and are now testing with us doing doing targeted landing pages for each of their products. They have a new product coming out. I will I don't know what I can share. So I won't necessarily say too much there, but 
Yeah. Like they have some new products coming out, which are really cool. They've also got some great content that they've partnered with influencers on over time that's not being optimized, right? And that sort of like sales page from those influencers, those experiences that they could put in front of the front of those influencers' fans. So probably the the best example recently that I saw was kind of them t- taking, uh, and I can share the link too, but putting that landing page out there. And uh, actually, I mentioned this earlier, one of the brands that I've seen that's sort of like 250% lift in ROAS, that was them. So uh, it was exciting just to kind of be able to collaborate a little bit with them and sort of see the results just from making that that switch to dedicated landers. Yeah. Yeah. I can honestly say it's a pretty cool product. I've not used it myself, but I'm, I'm very well aware of them. Yeah, I where I live, it's very cold right now, uh, at least for another month. So, so we get to the summer months. So I'm going to have to get one for the summer. Yeah, well, uh, so actually today it was the first day when I kind of regretted wearing my jacket while walking. And it, I mean, it was still only like 15 it's degrees. Feeling. It was sunny, right? <laughs> that, made, that made a big difference. But cool. Just before we, we move on and finish, it, it, anything else you want to mention about landing pages? I mean, we covered so much. I, I think like hopefully if someone's listening to this and they're thinking about just getting picking up one or two things, right, that they could work into their business. At least I love doing podcasts because I try to always think like, what are like one or two things that listeners can like take and go bake into their process? So if they take anything away from today, it's test more, use a product like ours. It's free in the Shopify app store right now. So you can install it, you can te- you know, check, go test an offer and see if you can get yourself some better results and, and, and learn a couple of things and just try to create better experiences for your customers. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, just before we finish just a, a couple of kind of quick fire questions, is there anyone in the D2C space that you'd like to have lunch with? Besides you? I got <laughs> yeah. to get to their side of the pond, take out the lunch. I think there's so many interesting, one of the things coming from like B2B and now being so focused in, in the D2C space and e-commerce, like there's so many cooler stories that, that are told here. Like it's not about some business service that they're selling to other businesses and it's enterprise. It's like people have these really cool stories about like the products that they came up with. They had a pain point, they went and solved it. We're working with um, someone right now, a uh, woman named Jill Apgar, like just started this brand for her kid who, ha- who had an issue with different like crumb sheets and other like kids products. So I, I mean, I would just love to take some of our merchants out and like hear more of their story. I mentioned the Crossnick guys, they have an awesome story. Joel, who runs marketing out to lunch and just kind of see like, where are they going to take it? What's next? And I feel like in e-com, the people are so creative. They're always learning. There's always something new to adapt to. So I think there's just being able to learn from our customers and, and even folks like you coming on these shows, like it's, it's a real, I'm grateful for it. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so finally, uh, are there any other marketing tools that you recommend? I was thinking about this before. It's funny you mentioned intercoms that that we're looking at now, a little bit more on the product side, but I would say I spend a lot of time when it comes to our own marketing. I spend a lot of time like data studio and Google Sheets, which is like maybe kind of boring answers, but really getting data from different things that we're doing into one place where we can analyze it. So I spend a lot of time there. Those are probably my go-tos other than Unstack. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been really great. I mean, I'll be honest, I hadn't really kind of thought much about landing pages too much for e-commerce myself. So it's been really great. If people want to reach out and find out more, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, just come to our website. It's uh, www.unstack.com. And uh, you can learn more about what we're up to, get in touch with our team, uh, install our app. So it's all there. Awesome. Thanks, Grant. Thanks so much. 
Let's be honest, personalization is difficult. A lot of the time you're still guessing. You're guessing that this person clicked through this advert because that specific message or creative resonated with them and it wasn't because the ad just reminded them that they were considering a purchase anyway. But you can still do yourself a massive favor and performance improvement by doing this because there's a good chance a decent amount of other people who see that landing page or, or that personalized content will respond to it positively. When everyone else is sending all their traffic to the exact same place with the same message, of course you're going to do better by creating targeted experiences. If you'd like to learn more from Grant and Unstack, head over to LinkedIn and drop him a message. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or message me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Axel Foles with me from Lalo. We're going to be talking through reducing friction, improving conversion rates and scaling media spend while remaining efficient. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Thank you.